Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Which Kelly are you? Edward. People call me Ned. I photograph what my conscience asks me to. Mad Max 2. It's my kind of movie. Shut up! Shut up! Your friend can't come back, Sarge. Oh, he's disabled. I'm this carer. You're blind. He's an equal opportunity employer. The kids who are sick cannot do the hip-hop anymore. G'day, folks, and welcome to another episode of The Curb. My name is Andrew Pierce, and this is a podcast that takes a look at Australian film, Australian culture, and a whole bunch more. This podcast is proudly recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation, and their pay respects are their elders, both past, present, and emerging. Now, if you caught the last episode, well, yeah, it was part one of chatting to Keir Roche-Turner, whose new film... Wormwood Apocalypse, the sequel to Wormwood Road of the Dead, is going to be screening at the Sydney Film Festival this week, as well as Monster Fest later on in the year. It recently had a screening at the Brisbane International Film Festival and went off their gangbusters. In part two of this discussion, we talk a little bit more about the production of Wormwood and also about what makes Keir a filmmaker. A bit later on in this particular interview, I mix up the title of Sam Raimi's third Evil Dead film, which is The Army of Darkness, and for some reason I got it mixed up with... Uh, I, I the, the, the title that came into mind was Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, and of course, you know, it's a completely different film. However, the answer that Kia gave me is still quite an interesting one, so I didn't correct myself in the moment. Correcting myself now in case listeners go, oh, I think he's meaning the other thing. But yeah, Kia's answer is still spot on. Anyhow, enough beating around the bush for me. Let's jump back into the interview. Was there a point, where was the point for you where you realised that you were talented and creative and were making good things? Oh, was there a point? Because then it makes me sound like I think I'm talented and creative. But, um, but, you, but you are, though. You are. And, so, and surely, because you continue going you. on, there's got to be a self-realisation of it. I was stoked when I realised I could draw. Um, I was about 13, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. And, and I, I wanted to be a comics artist first. I always loved writing. I remember sitting, uh, I've been 12 years old, maybe 11. Um, I was in year six, and there was a... Um, uh, the teacher gave out an assignment to just write a poem and I just remember sitting down and just picking a uh, style. I went, okay, I'm going to write it in the style of Benjo Patterson, you know, Man from Snowy River, and it just flowed out of me so quickly. And nobody else in the class could do it. And I was like, oh, can't everybody just do this? And, and, and it, 
and it's great and you feel really special and people pat you on the head and they get you to you know they pay you ten dollars to do a christmas card or a birthday card for a relative and 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 you feel special and that's what kids want more than anything is to feel like they're special and, and you know to be able to draw and write um and eventually you know start making cool little movies that, that people love um and you know get a lot of um sort of uh pleasure out of um it's just there's no feeling in the world for like a sensitive shy little kid you know um and so that I, I was able to find my strength and you know my older brother was instantly smart and just always good with socializing he just had a weird so strength um and i'd see that like okay that's his strength and then my younger brother you know he's just a tough tough dude like he was really good at sport and like he just had a lot of confidence and I'm like okay well he's got clear strengths I don't, I don't know what my strengths are I'm just kind of shy and then when I realized I could draw and paint and I had a sort of tendency towards art I'm like okay my strength and that's the thing that's going to give me confidence in life um, and so you know for most of my life now that I've really drawn a lot of strength from from the arts you know and you know that's why I'm here still doing it when I'm 42 you know <laughs> yeah, still getting away with it. <laughs> we were talking about safety on set before, and and one of the things which really um, struck me as quite a, a a really cool invention for the film is this this air gun thing that you've got going on, which you know disarms people and shoots them and and blasts them back with air. The, Can you the th- wax stick. The wax stick. That's brilliant. I was about to say, stick. what do you call yeah. it, and where did they come from? <laughs> um. Me and Tristan were writing the original Wormwood seven years ago and um, we wrote part of it in um, the Megalong Valley and we would take these long walks in the valley and we would hit rocks out into the valley with like a, a club and the rocks would make this zizzing noise like and we called that game Wax Stick. So anytime we couldn't be bothered writing anymore, we'd go, oh, go play a bit of Wax Stick and, you know, we'd just hit rocks into the valley. And so that name stuck with us and it felt wormwoody. And so when we came up with this idea of it that effectively is like God's punch, like we want something that could punch you but, like, incapacitate you, like not hurt you. And so the, the, the idea for this gun is that it knocks zombies off their feet, you know, it incapacitates, you know, these people that um, our hero Reese is trying to capture without killing them. And so we came up with this idea of uh, a gun that fires a concentrated fist of, like, methane um, uh, gas and just, just, like, into this giant, hot, you know, King Kong-shaped fist of air that smashes into their chest and knocks them out and so he can capture them. And we called it the wax stick. Um, and the thing I love about the wax stick is it's just so practical. Like, you know... Our guy, uh, our art director, I can't remember whether it was Tim Namore or Jason Tully built the wax stick. One of them built it. I think it was Jason. And um, it's just, you know, it's just like a pretty standard gun prop that looks amazing, but, like, there's no functionality to it. And then Tim, our art director, you know, I sort of said, look, I want something that fires, like, an explosion of oxygen. I want it to be practical. Like, I don't want to do this digitally. I want it to be practical and safe. And... um, he worked out a way where just he, he bought a fire extinguisher, ran the hose through the barrel of the prop gun, and then, you know, you just kind of uh, activate briefly the fire extinguisher and this massive shot of oxygen, you know, like sort of punches out of the gun and it's huge and it's explosive and it practically looks amazing and it doesn't really cost anything. Like these fire extinguishers are really cheap and it looks awesome. 
you know. Um, and that's what we, that's, you know, really how we like to do things. I, I, if there's a practical, easy, cheap solution, um, I'd rather do it practically because I just think if you overuse digital without a big budget for your digital effects, it just ends up looking crap. And so what you should do is, is um, do everything as practical as you can and then you augment digitally. Um, and so that's why we did all the muzzle flashes. Like all the muzzle flashes are just, it's one of the lighting guys flashing um, a quick um, hit of light into the um, uh, actor's face while they pretend to, you know, do like a sort of back kick on the gun. And then we add the muzzle in, the muzzle flash in later. And because muzzle flashes have a tendency to look a bit cheap, I was really interested in um, the idea that um, every time it fires, what's going on in the Wormwood world is petrol is being, um, uh, you know, petrol has been nullified. There's clearly something viral in the air that's affecting flammable uh, substances. So when the gun fires, these embers kick out and there's a huge kick of smoke. Um, and so people aren't really used to seeing that done digitally. And so I found that that really helped sell the muzzle flashes that were digital. So we didn't have a single real gun on set. It, they were all either plastic or like prop built, or um, I think we had one proper metal shotgun that's a real gun that had a block barrel. Like there's not a single gun on our set that actually that could actually fire a blank. Like it was all done um, uh with a combination of, you know, uh, digital lighting effects and, uh, sorry, lighting effects and digital um, muzzle flashes, smoke and embers. Um, and, you know, that's that's how I feel that, you know, digital stuff should be done. It should be done 80% practically, 20% augmentation digitally. And it seems to have worked really well because I think a lot of the effects in this look quite good. No, it looks it looks really good. Yeah. And what I, what I took away from it as well is there's something that, I mean, it, it might be a while before we have conventions and stuff like that, but, you know, I, I get the impression this is kind of a very, um, there's something that is very inspirational for people who want to do cosplay and things like that. Like you can, there is so much to take away from this film that people could easily be walking around conventions next year dressed up as these characters and it doesn't cost them much to do it and they look spot on. You know, there's there's that kind of, that kind of fandom has got to be pretty exciting, I imagine. It was really exciting, and that was one thing I just did not expect um, from the original. You know, like we had a lot of cosplayers being Brooke and being Barry um, because all you need is some biker leathers, um, some uh, American football shoulder pads and a hockey mask, um, and if you've got access to something that looks like a fake plastic sawn shotgun, that's it. That's all you need, and you're Barry. And so we've had some really great cosplayers, um, you know, and it would be just as easy to do Reese from this film. You know, they, they both have very iconic looks. Um, you know, Reese with the half face mask and the goggles and the, um, you know, sort of military, you know, jungle fatigues. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty easy to put together and it looks great. And, you know, you look like something from like a, um, you know, Far Cry video game. Yeah. <laughs> All right. La- last question, because there's one aspect which I'm really keen to find out about, um, because, you know, it wouldn't be an Australian film if there were any uh, drone shots in it. But you guys, <laughs> you guys managed to um, kind of make the drone shots feel brand new and feel like inventive and exciting and, and full of life in a way that I haven't seen in an Australian film. Uh, how did you go about deciding what to actually do a drone shot with and and planning for the drone shots as well well we know this guy paul um you know who he he mostly shoots really full-on drone footage of like stock car 
amazing. So he he can get these tiny little drones into like like he can do a 360 of a car that's doing a 360 on a dirt road like and doing jumps and stuff. Like the guy is like a ninja. And so there was a little bit of kind of conversation about do we use him for some things and other things. We're not sure. Um, and um, b- because he, he specialises in small drones, which kind of look very – the footage looks droney. Um, and we wanted some of the footage to look quite cinematic, but we, we brought the cinematic drone guy out who's got this big drone, big expensive drone. He just looked at what, what we wanted him to do, and he's like, no way. We can't do any of this stuff. He's like, you guys are tripping. Like, this is too – I mean, I'll crash my drone. Like, no way. And we're like, oh, okay. And then we brought Paul out and said, well, what do you think, Paul? And he goes, yeah, the easiest piece. Like, when do we start? That's how we're like, I think Paul. I think Paul's our guy. Um, and you know, he, he crashed his drone like seven times, but like, he's got like three or four different drones that he uses. He's kind of used to that because he, he's a stunt operator. So he's one of those, these guys that like, he races drones. Like he's just a phenomenal, um, uh, like drone operator. And so he was getting these drones to fly down, you know, 200 meters up and then in underneath these archways, long archways of gum trees. And he was doing stuff that just you just couldn't do with one of those big cinematic drones. Like you, you just couldn't you couldn't do it. And so that's why I think some of the drone shots look quite interesting because you know they, they swoop down near the car and then kind of you know through the trees and then around behind quite close to some of the performers. Um, and you just like the only way you could do that is if you've got a very small drone being operated by a master. And so yeah, I, I'm quite happy with the drone footage. Doesn't fake any other movies drone footage like it feels again it has that kind of low budget risky you know sort of semi-dangerous feel to it you know that is so important for a film like this and you know it it was dangerous because it was because he did crash his drone like six times um but you know i I think he thought it was okay once you know once he saw the footage he's like all right it's working yeah it's it's something i'd never seen before and i was just like oh it made me sit up and just go wow this is there's an energy to it that is kind of a rarity and and that's what i really loved about those shots yeah well that's what we want to do we want to go back to that kind of sam Raimi throwing the camera around kind of feel you know we've got to try and build on some of the stuff that he was doing in evil dead 2 and it's so funny i went back and i rewatched evil dead 2 recently and i'm just like dude i thought we got close i'm like we didn't even get close like even what that guy did in the 80s i'm just like my my lord like that guy is just a master, um, but you got to try. You know, you got to you got to lift on what people have done. And the one thing that we had that Sam didn't have is a drone. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, Wormwood Three. Then is it going to be more Army of the Dead or or more Thunderdome? Um, oh, if I had to pick one, it'd be you know more Thunderdome, just because Army of the Dead is just it's just a. It, it's $200 million worth. And like from the, from the, from the opening title sequence, you're just like, yeah, this is Zack Snyder. This is a hundred million dollars. And, you know, we're doing the opposite of that. Um, and, and it, it, yeah, it'll be more, it'll be more down and dirty, um, osploitation, um, you know, putting as much visual bang for buck as you can on screen with a tiny budget stuff, you know, um, like i'd like to have a bit more budget than we had on apocalypse apocalypse is you wouldn't want to go any lower than that and you couldn't really um uh a lot of people paid a very uncomfortable price for us to have a budget low enough to have all the creative decisions and i would hope if 
um, when it does well enough, you know, we'll be able to, to get a little bit more money next time just so people can be a little bit more comfortable um, and I won't break so many actors. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'd probably just get, you know, close to the same cast, same crew. You know, anybody we didn't kill in this one, we'll get back yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll continue there. I mean, we're already starting to come up with ideas of, it's pretty exciting. Um, and I would, to be honest, you know, I'd, I'd love to go straight into it. I would love for this to be the next thing that I write. When three, I, we had such a great experience with everybody and we ended up with a film that, I mean, we just love so much that I'd love to do it again, just rinse and repeat. But it really comes down to, you know, do people react to it? Does it get a similar kind of word of mouth to the first one? You know, um, it, it'll be up to the fans really, um, you know, if, if they make enough noise. Um, you know, we'll get to make another one. Like it, you know, and that's you know, you're always nervous when a film's coming out. You're just like, oh man, I hope I hope it does well. <laughs> if it does well, we get to do another one. And then, you know. So, are you excited? I mean, obviously, you're excited about the Sydney Film Festival. But um, what's your feelings going into the Sydney Film Festival? Well, it's actually premiering tomorrow at the Brisbane um, International Film Festival. Yeah, so it's premiering there tomorrow. So that'll be. That's a bit because of, you know, travel restrictions, we can't go up. So Blake's nearer there, so he'll be there and a bunch of um, people, crew from Queensland and, like, you know, a bunch of friends up there and a bunch of fans and, you know, cross fingers, hope it, hope, hope it goes well. But then the Sydney Film Festival, that'll be the Sydney premiere, that's on the 6th, that events goes again on the Dendy. Both of those sessions are sold out, which is really good. Um, uh, Monster Fest, um, we're screening in Melbourne um, in early December. They're, they're moving towards selling out and they haven't been selling for very long. So there seems to be interest for it. Um, but you just don't know until, you know, audiences get excited or until those critical reviews come in. I mean, who knows? All I know is I like it. I've seen it a hundred times now and I'm like, yeah, I, I'm really happy with this. And, you know, um, that's all that a filmmaker could really hope for and wish for is like it really doesn't matter what anybody says or how well it does or how well it doesn't do. But I'm really proud of it. And I think it's a righteous follow-up um, to the first one. And, you know, that's, that's really, you know, if you can get there, then, you know, half the battle's won. Yeah, I, I think I think you've nailed it. It's it's really a lot of fun. And, you know, you were saying about the, your critic friend before who just spun it again straight after it finished. And uh, he's not the only person I've heard uh, say that. Matt Eels from Cinema Australia, he messaged me before I watched it and he's like, mate, I watched it. And then I literally, as soon as it finished, I was, I said to my wife, I've got to watch it again. And so he, he watched it twice in a row. Really? Yep. He watched it twice in a row. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and that's, there is no greater compliment because you can't, I know. <laughs> about that. You know, it's pretty easy to go, oh, I really liked it. But if you, if you watched it twice in a row, that means you really, really liked it. So, oh man, I hope, uh, you know, I hope, uh, that's that's a general feeling. <laughs> yeah, know, that's, yeah. That's I, I loved it. I, yeah. I had a wonderful time, and um, you know, I then went back and watched the first one. So I didn't I didn't respin you know apocalypse twice in a row, but I did at least go back and rewatch the the first one after watching this one. And that's um, pretty good though. That's that's almost in the same ballpark. That's pretty much the same thing. That because like if you'd watched it and went, oh, this is a pile of shit, um, you wouldn't go back to the, the other one because you'd be too angry. But the no, fact that you yeah. went back and went, 
Oh, I need to double check. But I mean, it's it's. Um, oh, that's great. I mean, that's a huge compliment itself too, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you yeah, I mean, there was something about like it's it's been years since I'd seen the first one, so I was like, oh, I just gotta. I just got to revisit and, and it helps as well. Like there's these special features on it too. So I'm hoping that the, the Blu-ray for, for this one has got a lot of special features as well. So let me ask you a question. So you watched Wormwood Apocalypse Clean and then went back to watch Road of the Dead. That's right. Yeah. Now, did you have any trouble like remembering as you were watching Apocalypse, like, you know, any of the bits and pieces, oh, zombies do this and oh, she can control zombies. That's right. You know, did, did you struggle with any of that? No, because that kind of stuff had already been in my mind throughout the years since I'd seen Road of the Dead. You know, it had, it had already been like, as I was saying before, I'd already been comparing other zombie films and shows right. to Wormwood, Road of the Dead, because I'm like, oh, yeah, but these guys did this, and that was pretty cool. And, yeah, you know, Walking Dead, you're kind of boring now. Like, you're feeling old and all this kind of stuff. So I was already comparing other films to that and so it's, okay. it's been in my mind for a long time yeah because one of the things we were hoping to do was to like even if you hadn't seen road of the dead if you just went into apocalypse blind we wanted it to be an experience that could still be good for a viewer oh it definitely and, but will the, be yeah. but the other thing yeah. we didn't want to do and there was a little bit of argy bargy back and forth about hey shouldn't you guys be a bit more specific about rules of the world and we're like no 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 that people are smart enough to catch up and my feeling is, like, you learn pretty quick that zombies are a power source and it's pretty obvious that she's controlling zombies. Um, and, you know, the idea of hybrids, you know, half human, half zombies, it's not so crazy complicated. It couldn't kind of work out what's going on. And, and that was something that's very important to me and Tristan is lack of exposition. It's like I hate exposition in movies so much. I, I, I love a movie that, like, doesn't assume that the audience is stupider than a bag of bricks and so i'm like hey when these aren't really these aren't like hardcore scientific concepts here like it's it's pretty standard genre law you know if you can't if you can't work it out um, you probably should watch more movies exactly yeah yeah it's not like i mean uh speaking of lynch and things like that i was hearing about how when the original when his dune came out they had to they gave people Mm. a glossary so they could read it prior, like page glossary prior to watching the actual film, so they understood what was going on. And it's like, no, this is as you're saying, this is genre staple stuff. People know what's going on, and so there is a shorthand to everything there, and it's very approachable. I think if people are coming to Apocalypse not having seen the first one, they're going to be safe. They're going to be perfectly fine. And that then the like, movie is so funny. You know, when that uh, the princess turns up floating her floating head in the universe, and she just expositions at you for ten. For t- Oh man, yeah, like it's clearly something that was tacked on at the other producers where this woman pops up on screen and she just goes, ah, I'm going to tell you about House Atreides and House Harkonnen and the Benny Gesserits and, the, and like she just talks for like five <laughs> minutes. You're just like, just shut the, shut up. Like just show me a sandworm and like start shooting people. I don't care. Um, you know, and most people don't, you know, but they do need the minimum amount of information. And like, I, I do think that that information should be able to be told without like just bucket loads of verbal exposition. There's nothing worse than that, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it, it feels organic. It feels natural and it feels part of the world. And, and as I was saying, like this feels like a, a living thing that has, you know, when the credits roll, the world is still living out there and I'm looking forward to revisiting it down the line when it happens. 
When we're three. <laughs> when we're yeah. three. Oh, I want to start writing that right now. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad you guys don't do don't stick with the, you know, two as well. You know, it's not when we're two, it's when we're apocalypse. Like it's nice it's nice to have the subtitle. <laughs> a, a lot of people wanted when we're two. A lot of people were really fighting for that. But I just it didn't feel right. I, I don't know. I and you know, and like I, I like fantasy novels and stuff and you don't get Lord of the Rings and Lord of the Rings 2. It's Fellowship of the Ring and, you know, the two towers. You know, give it a name. Like, just call it 2. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad we found, finally found the, the right word to, I mean, we just weren't sure what to call it. We were going to call the TV series Chronicle, which is kind of unimaginative but worked. And I think Man Tristan sort of, we're big fans of Apocalypse now and just went, yeah, Apocalypse, that, 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 that's about right. Yeah. What does is, what is Tristan want to call he wants to call the third one Wormwood Annihilation. <laughs> I'm like, all right, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, that sets an expectation of what's going to happen as well. You know, there's, there's something about a word because you expect something that's going to happen. You expect an apocalypse. You expect Road of the Dead. You expect something like that. And so walking into the film and you, and you get that, it, it has your expectations met. You have a great time. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and that was an interesting conversation that we had with the distributors on the original film, and we sat down with um, Greg and Slab, who were working at the Studio Canal uh, at the time, and uh, they had a really very, very polite lunch with us, and they said, look, Wormwood is a title that nobody really understands. So, you know, um, we're thinking of calling it, Ro- you know, Wormwood Road of the Undead, and here's why, you know, people need to know what they're clicking on, you know, like, it, it, you, like there's a genre expectation. Um, you know, like even even like a weird title like Predestination, you know, the, the Spirit Brothers science fiction film, that, that's a weird word like Wormwood, but it does express what the film is. You know, you're going to the destination previous to when you existed. It's a time travel film. Um, and so, you know, like that's why, you know, we, we sort of took it on the chin and we were like, you know what, you're right. I don't like Road of the Undead, but Road of the Dead rolls off the tongue. Let's go with it. Um, and so I kind of do believe that, you know, a, a title is important in the marketplace and you've got to give and take. And Wormwood Apocalypse, even if you don't know what Wormwood means, everybody knows what Apocalypse is. So you know you're going into an apocalypse, apocalyptic film. And Wormwood Annihilation, like you know there's going to be explosions, guns, and a lot of shit is going to explode. <laughs> and, you know, like it's, it's going to be carnage, you know. And so people who like on-screen carnage, you know, click that button and buy a ticket and, you know, yeah. Do all the things, yeah. Well, Kia, <laughs> all the things. thank you so much for your time. It's been a really great discussion. Um, yeah, and thanks, Andrew. It's always good to talk to a genuine film lover, film geek, film nerd. You know, that you're, you're my people, man. So I, I mean, I could talk to you for another whole hour. You know? Oh yeah, definitely. But we've got lives to live and and films to promote and stuff. It's easy to get do. lost in the rabbit hole. I know that I'm going to be chatting to Matt about this for a while because he's just. As I was saying, he's just hooked on it. He's absolutely loved it and, and all this kind of stuff. And I've thoroughly enjoyed and loved it too. So uh, I think that's the thing is that having these discussions inside of the films, and it's great talking to you, but it's also great talking to fellow fans about it and, and all this kind of stuff and having fan theories and, and everything. It, it, it keeps it alive and exciting. Yeah. Um, and that's the whole thing. You just well, you want to make a film that, you know, even if it's just a small group of people, if a small group of people are still talking about your film 20 years later, you know you did well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, here's hoping. Yeah, fingers crossed. And there we have it, folks. Keir Roche-Turner talking about his latest film, Wormwood Apocalypse. 
I really hope you enjoyed these two interviews that I've done with Kia. I really enjoyed talking to him. He's look a fountain of knowledge and fountain of information, if I can spit those words out. I also listened to the interview that he did with Matt Eels from Cinema Australia, who I mentioned in this particular interview, who watched the film twice in a row, a rarity, uh, even for, uh, I mean, I can't really think of that many films that I've ever watched twice in a row. Um, maybe the last one that I did that was uh, Keyboard Fantasies, which was a film that came out last year. Loved that film a lot. I highly recommend you going along and listening to Matt's interview too, because not only, uh, you know, he asks some similar questions, but Kia gives different answers. And that's the thing which I find really interesting. I try and listen to as many interviews as I do or read as many interviews as I do as I can uh, of the people who I'm interviewing because I don't want to be asking the same questions and they probably don't want to be giving the same answers. So I try and give something new and interesting to them just as I try and give something new and interesting to you, the listeners, because hopefully... Uh, you know, new things are a little bit more interesting. And there's so much that's new and fascinating here. I really enjoyed this interview. I really enjoyed talking to Kia. And I loved watching Wormwood Apocalypse. And I hope that if you're heading along to go and see the Sydney Film Festival presentation, that you have a blast. And if you go to Melbourne and watch it at Mosterfest, you also have a blast there. And fingers crossed for Perth, Adelaide, and uh, maybe Hobart and Darwin as well, that, uh, you know, we get screenings too in the new year fingers crossed can only hope because i think this would be a really brilliant audience film anyhow let me know what you think about this particular interview and what you think about the wormwood series as well uh head over to the website thecurb.com.au drop a comment in the post below and if you want to go the extra step help keep this website nice and independent and head over to patreon.com forward slash the curb au where you can listen to some of the audio podcasts if you sign up at the three dollar level uh, that are exclusive to that level there are some interviews audio interviews that are exclusive there follow us on social media facebook twitter you know the places all right folks I really enjoyed this. Once again, I'm sounding like a broken record, but I did. I did. <laughs> I hope you all stay safe and look after each other and be kind to one another, and I will see you on the next one. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Get great fall savings on all your home care and entertaining needs during the fall home care event at Safeway. Head into Safeway and get deals on products like Clorox disinfecting wipes, Swiffer wet mopping cloths, Lysol all-purpose cleaner, Swiffer wet jet mopping pads, Mr. Clean multi-surface cleaner, or Lysol power toilet bowl cleaner. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for more details. Offers expire October 31st. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary.